I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. President Biden's $3.5 trillion social spending bill is probably going to get a little smaller, maybe in the $2 trillion range. Not that that's all that small. Of course, some pundits say this is just one more legislative defeat for the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. But is it? Is it a victory for the progressive wing and a defeat for the establishment and Speaker Nancy Pelosi? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Yes, let's think again about everything that's going down in our nation's capital. As most of these battles have been, uh, it has been from the left on the left. Uh, as it relates to these battles, helping us break it all down, what it actually means, James Walner from R Street Institute. Uh, he's the resident senior fellow for governance, frequent traveler to this lovely program. Uh, James, thanks for coming back with us. Well, thanks for having me. As you look at the battles that are going on uh, really between the progressive wing of the Democratic Party and the more moderate conservatives, and then you've got the establishment thrown in there as well, uh, how do you see all this playing out? Who are the real winners and losers in this thing? Well, it's not quite clear because the process isn't over yet. And if we take an assessment right now, I think it just depends on how we look at it, right? This, there was this $3.5 trillion bill that House progressives in particular were very adamant about pushing, and they have been holding this infrastructure bill hostage in the House. They won't vote for it until they get a commitment from moderate Democratic senators that they can pass a, a, a higher uh, dollar amount in their spending bill, closer to $3.5 trillion. So, you know, it certainly looks like it's a, a defeat for them because right now we're talking about $2 trillion, and we're talking about numbers much closer to where uh, Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema, these two moderate uh, Democratic senators in, in the Senate, um, were there where they are. But you could also say that they wanted to go much lower and the House has really forced them much higher. And, and we just fundamentally can't make that call until this process is all said and done. Yeah, it still seems uh, a little early for the declaration of winners and losers. Uh, it sounds like both of them are going to move about a trillion dollars one direction <laughs> or another. Uh, and I think that's uh, where the American people lose in this process. Uh, but I do want to get into some of the, the nuances to this, uh, how it, it could really be a perceived as a victory anyway for progressives. Uh, is this a, a beginning of the end of Speaker Nancy Pelosi as uh, the leader uh, there in the House? Uh, yes and no. And I know that you know people don't like to hear those kinds of answers. 
But the question of whether if a leader is down doesn't always mean that another leader is rising. Sometimes when progressives or conservatives, for that matter, flex their muscles, use leverage very well, they change how the institution works in a way that helps them, that benefits them, but doesn't necessarily catapult a progressive to the leadership position to the speaker's chair or the majority leader's chair in the Senate. And I think what we're going to likely see out of this regardless is that the House may function differently moving forward, or at least the Democratic Party in the House may function differently moving forward because they now know they have this independent power center in their party that they have to account for. And so Pelosi may still on the outside be on top, but for all intents and purposes, she's being forced to manage the House in a different way on the inside. Oh, that's that's an interesting, interesting thing to think through. And, and of course, the same plays out uh, on the Republican side, uh, in particular in the Senate, where uh, Senate Major- Minority Leader Mitch McConnell uh, had said adamantly and repeatedly that uh, they wouldn't give in on uh, raising the debt ceiling, that the Democrats would have to do that on their own. Uh, in the end, uh, it was... Uh, I often joke that it's it's the battle cry, it seems, for Mitch McConnell is not uh, let's live to fight another day. It's live to surrender another day. And it seems like there's a portion of the caucus there in the Senate that is saying, wait a minute, uh, I thought you were serious this time and uh, you're not. So what does that mean in terms of the governance and the corralling of the Republican senators? Well, I think it's a great parallel, a great comparison. And this isn't anything new. As you've said, in 2011, McConnell did the same thing. In 2014, he did literally the same thing. He keeps doing this type of uh, kind of bluffing. I call it the Senate two-step, right, where you, you, know, you take credit um, or you, for, you, know, you shift blame for outcomes that differ from what you led people to expect while simultaneously taking credit for the fact that things didn't turn out even worse. And this is what he does very well. But the, the, the key difference, though, is will senators act differently? In the House, we see progressives flexing their muscles, using their leverage, pushing back against the leaders. In the Senate, we don't see that. And we should see that because senators have a lot more power. The leaders have a lot less power there. And so until we see senators, whether Democrat or Republican, on the floor offering amendments, making motions, doing things, I wouldn't put a lot of stock in these public criticisms of of Mitch McConnell because ultimately it's their actions that matter. And that is not what we're seeing. And as long as that's the case, McConnell's on top because McConnell doesn't want them to act. Yeah. And uh, we talk about outcomes all the time on this program and whether that's uh, that outcome is a change in behavior of members, uh, again, Democrat or Republican in the House or in the Senate. Uh, It's the outcomes on policy. Uh, Let's have some transparency and then let's get to some accountability based on outcomes, not activity, but on but on outcomes. Uh, And so, James, as as you continue to to watch and monitor this, uh, of course, our our next shutdown showdown, our next big catastrophe cliff crisis uh, in raising the, the debt limit. Uh, is now 51 days away. We're just going to announce it every day just so we don't have to scream when we get to the last few days, <laughs> as we predicted we were going to do anyway. Uh, so as you look at those kind of battles, uh, what does that do? one, what does that do for the, the president's agenda? Uh, you and I have spoken before about this idea that uh, Congress is acting much more like a parliament where you have a majority and a minority and, and you battle to carry out the executive branch's wish list. Uh, that's not quite the way it was set up to be. 
Right. I mean, Congress is meant to be a crucible of conflict. It's where our representatives, the voters' representatives, go to adjudicate their claims, and yes, along the way to compromise and to make law. What you know, December, you you read in the paper, you see it everywhere, like this this looming like catastrophe, this looming shutdown. How are they going to get it all done? Well, they just faced the exact same looming shutdown, and they got it all done at the last minute. And I, it, it, it's astounding to me that that we forget that every single time. Mitch McConnell says under no circumstances are we going to cooperate, but then he also says under no circumstances can the debt limit not be raised. And then he ultimately raises, helps raise the debt limit. What do we think is going to happen in December? The same thing. The same thing with government funding. The same thing with all of these bills. And so really the only unknown to me, the only uncertainty, if I were, you know, for your listeners, watching what's happening in Washington, and, you know, I understand it is very frustrating to a good number of people out there, is how the Democrats are going to resolve this internal divide amongst themselves. Because from where I sit, it appears that there are more than enough Republican votes to continue funding the government, to continue spending money, and to continue raising the debt limit well into the future. And so that isn't an if for me. It's just a question of when. The real big question I have is well, how the Democrats are going to resolve their internal party divides on this infrastructure and spending package. Yeah. Great insight as always. James Walner is the R Street Institute's resident senior fellow for governance. James, uh, thanks for weighing in today. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Again, the shutdown showdowns continue and uh, we should be watching uh, and if you want to kind of figure out what this looks like, just go watch Charlie Brown and Lucy. Lucy holding the football, convincing Charlie Brown it'll be different next time. When it comes to Washington, D.C., Democrats and Republicans, it seems to be the same result every time, and the American people end up flat on their back. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another... Pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.